The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. You're listening to Tech Check in progress. I'm John Fort. You're listening to CNBC's Tech Check. Our show is live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. Chip, I would just notice one other thing. The attorney general of Missouri has now just tweeted that it's the first state to let its trigger laws spring into action, that uh, it, the abortion is now banned as of today in Mississippi or in Missouri. It was one of 13 states that had these trigger laws on the book that said abortion would become illegal once the Supreme Court ruled. He's already issued a letter uh, declaring that that's the law of the land, so it's the first state to do this. Um, Just a couple of other things. Justice Kavanaugh, in his concurrence today, says, in his opinion, he does not believe it would be constitutional for one state to bar women in that state or make it a crime for women in that state where abortion is illegal to go into another state where abortion is legal and get that service. Uh, So, uh, uh, and of course, uh, because he is one of the five to go along on overturning Roe v. Wade, that has to be considered a controlling uh, statement from him. And the other thing is, uh, there's nothing in this decision that says that states can constitutionally or need to have an exception in their laws for rape or incest. And the dissent says that's one of the problems with today's decision, that there's no longer any constitutional requirement that states make exceptions in their laws for rape or incest, Chef. Do you read in, anything into, Pete, the, the, these back-to-back decisions, the, 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 the New York State gun law and then and this Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health? Do, do they tell us anything about the future? Well, they both say, you know, look to the history. Uh, in the analysis in both the gun case and this case today is, remember what Alito says is, if, it, if the constitutional right is not explicitly spelled out in the Constitution, the only way to find it in the 14th Amendment is if it's something that's deeply rooted in the nation's history and tradition and part of the concept of ordered liberty. And he said abortion doesn't pass that test. Now, of course, many people have said, well, neither does same-sex marriage, the right to contraception, the right to interracial marriage, uh, the right to refuse medical treatment, and so, so many other things. The statement is still in the majority opinion here that was, the, that was in the draft that came out in May, that was written in February, that says nothing about today's decision should affect those precedents because Alito says abortion is different. There's a moral dimension because there's a potential life involved. Uh, and Justice Kavanaugh also says the same thing. He says overruling Roe does not mean the overruling of these precedents, although Justice Clarence Thomas says, in his opinion, the court now should look at those other decisions that were based on this notion of substantive due process in the 14th Amendment. But both of them, the, the gun case also said, you, uh, the gun control test is, uh, is, is it part, is it, was it historically recognized? So it's the same kind of analysis, Chef. Pete Williams, thanks so much for uh, the, the ruling and the analysis. Greatly appreciate it. From our own research team here, I've just gotten these to sort of follow on what Pete Williams was saying. Abortion would be banned without exception for the health of the mother. So uh, banned in all cases, health of the mother or not, in 
Arkansas, Idaho, Mississippi, North Dakota, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. But, and without exceptions for rape in Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas, and without exceptions for incest in Arkansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, Missouri, North Dakota, South Dakota, Tennessee, and Texas. If not at this moment, will be soon enough. Let's get to Bree Jackson, who's a reporter for our station, NBC4 Washington. She's outside the Supreme Court, where, Bree, I understand there are people on both sides making their views heard. Yeah, Shep, and this is something that we've been seeing the past couple of weeks as people have waited for these cases to come down. But one thing that was clear today uh, was that both sides were out there, but there was, uh, once that ruling came down, there was a cheer coming from those who have been waiting for this day uh, for Roe versus Wade to be overturned, and then booze from those who have have really feared this day. Um, and what we notice now is that ever since that ruling has come down, the voices of those who are uh, against abortion are louder. Uh, it seems like they're, they're cheering, their voices are much louder, uh, and those are the ones uh, that are, we're hearing out here today. Bree, have you noticed a, a change in crowd size? We, we had been wondered each day as we were getting these opinions from the Supreme Court. They start at 10 o'clock every morning, uh, and then until the end, there had been a small crowd, and we had always wondered, will people be coming out on this day whenever it came? I wondered what you're seeing. Yeah, they, the crowd size was bigger today, in particular compared to yesterday when it was raining a little bit. Um, there was a good amount of people out, but it's important to note, you know, the, 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 judge, the justices had several cases to go through. So as the days started to pass, you could start seeing the crowds getting a little bigger because it was either going to happen sooner, sooner or later, you know. So it's one of those things where compared to yesterday, the crowd size is bigger today. Uh, and they were more passionate today before that ruling came out. And then certainly um, once the ruling was came out, that Roe versus Wade was overturned, you could feel the energy from some in the crowd drop while others, uh, you know, really started to praise that decision. Bree Jackson from our station, NBC4 Washington. Bree, thanks so much for contributing. Appreciate it. Let's turn to David DiPietro now, constitutional law expert and former prosecutor. It's good to see you. Could you give us a top, a top line on what we should expect from the states, the individual states now? You're going to see states like my state, like my state Florida, where you can go to the ballot and change our state constitution. So I think you're going to see a litany of different things happen. And one of the things to look at is whether prosecutors in these states are going to actually prosecute these crimes of, of abortion. So I think you're going to see a lot of division on this now at the local level. Now that on the federal level, there's no more constitutional right to uh, uh, an abortion. It's interesting that the court admitted that the courts had error before, citing Plessy versus Ferguson uh, in the opinion, stating we've gotten it wrong before. If you remember, that's the separate but equal doctrine that was created in the 1800s, and, they, and now they admit they got this one, they say, egregiously wrong. So we're going to see now how important local elections are in this in this country, how important uh, prosecutors are in this country, how important sheriffs are in this country, because you're going to see whether these laws are going to be enforced on a local level. It, it, the rules are different state to state, right? And who is who is available for punishment and the level of punishment is going to vary all across the country. For instance, in some states, you'll be able to sue in some way the abortion provider, the person who is receiving the procedure. 
even an Uber driver in some cases who might facilitate the transfer to such a facility or to such an end game. Uh, if that Uber driver, for instance, knew that they were taking someone to have an abortion. Those rules are going to differ, right? And in some cases, they'll be more extreme than others. Exactly. And you're going to see jurors put to the test now. Will jurors actually convict people like physicians the, and, and people that receive abortions? Are they going to go that far? Um, it, it, it's, it's hard to say because I, I, I'll use Florida as a perfect example because it's a purple state. Could it pass a referendum in our Constitution that allow a state constitutional right to abortion but then again, still have a majority of Republicans running the state. So it, there could be a dichotomy in this country of every state has very different laws. Like we have many different issues in this country where every state has very different laws. So abortion from county to county or from state to state could be look very different on what you can and cannot do. It's going to be it really it, it's going to strengthen in the sense of how important local elections are in this country. And they often are overlooked because we, we seem to focus on what happens in Washington, D.C. Now, what happens in town halls is going to be extremely important, like we saw with the school board debates and other things that have been happening in this country. What the Supreme Court did today is, whether you're for it or against it, they just uh, gave the strength to local officials and local state representatives and state senators and governors. They gave them a big strength of power that they once didn't have on this issue. And you're going to see local elections become more important, than not less important than D.C. at this point. It's interesting what you're saying, but to, to focus specifically on where you are in Florida. When, when you think about Florida and its politics and its, it, its makeup, you can see a world where in the panhandle, Okaloosa, Walton, Bay, and the rest of those uh, uh, counties between Pensacola and, say, Apalachicola, that's going to be one thing. The I-4 corridor from Tampa up through Orlando and over to Daytona Beach, that's another. And then the east coast of Florida, uh, Miami-Dade, Broward, the Palm Beaches, another thing. And then southwest Florida with, with, with Lee and Gulf. And it, you, you could see a bunch of different states within a state there and, and competing viewpoints and competing individuals. Exactly. I live in Broward County, which is the most blue of the state of Florida, which is now going more red. So we have a, a, a prosecutor here. Is he of one party, the Democratic Party, is he going to prosecute this if it becomes a crime in Florida when the governor and, and the other side of the aisle is pushing maybe potentially make this completely illegal? So you're going to have a big fight over this and, and you're going to have issues of whether people are going to actually prosecute this law in states like Florida, even though the state might ban it. Uh, I think this debate just reopened. If you, if you call it a wound, it just reopened the wound of this debate of abortion. And it's going to only become more and more involved uh, now that there's so many people, so many elected officials are going to be involved and their opinions are going to actually matter as to what they decide to do or not do in their respective uh, rights. David DiPietro, it's a reminder to every one of us, no matter how we feel on this position or any others, that our local politics is important. And for us to have our views uh, embraced or at least noticed, we have to get out and be involved in the process in one degree or another. David DiPietro, it's nice to talk to you. We have a live picture now coming out of Jackson, Mississippi, the state capital. This is where all of this began. Uh, the, the, the case was uh, Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health. Uh, it started back in 2018. The U.S. District Court for the Southern District of Mississippi ruled in favor of the clinic, 
when it challenged. And then Mississippi's health officer, Thomas Dobbs, he's the chief health officer for the state. He appealed to the U.S. Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. And a year later, that court affirmed the lower court's ruling that Dobbs v. Women's Health, that was unconstitutional, that they could not close down that one abortion facility that provides abortion in the state of Mississippi. In June of 2020, Thomas Dobbs again appealed, this time to the Supreme Court. And in May of last year, the Supreme Court agreed to hear the case, and the court heard oral, oral arguments in December of last year. We presume that Jackson Women's Health, which is again the only abortion provider in the state of Mississippi, will, will be shut down today if it, if it is not already. Uh, the governor there in Mississippi had made it clear that they would act expeditiously uh, once the Supreme Court ruled, and since it has, one would assume he would as well. A CBC senior Washington correspondent, Eamon Javers, uh, in Washington. Eamon, any more reaction coming in, or what are we expecting over the next few hours? I expect to hear from Republican leadership and conservative leaders shortly. Absolutely, Shep. And we also expect to hear from the White House here shortly. We have not heard from uh, President Biden just yet. You imagine that they all have statements ready to go. This was a much anticipated ruling. So uh, it's just a matter of time before they roll out the playbook here politically. And, I, and speaking of politics, I do want to turn back to what you heard Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, say just a short time ago, because she's raising the specter now for Democratic voters of the possibility that a Republican House and Senate uh, could pass a national law banning abortion. There, there's a political reason she's doing that. Uh, Democrats have long said privately, if you talk to Democratic strategists in this town, uh, that a silver lining politically for them of this ruling uh, would be that the backlash to it uh, could be significant enough to turn around their fortunes going into the November midterm elections. That is, in, in November, Democrats are expected to lose and take a thumping politically here uh, b based on all the numbers that we've seen this year. This ruling might be a thing that changes the momentum calculation on that. And you saw Nancy Pelosi speaking directly to that, saying that abortion is on the ballot nationally uh, in November. If you don't want a federal law passed by Republicans uh, to ban abortion, then you've got to support Democrats in the fall. That is a rallying cry to Democratic voters and to voters who don't agree with what happened today. The reason why Democrats will feel politically they have the upper hand on that is expressed in these most recent Gallup polls. I just pulled up a poll on abortion support uh, uh, in the United States. 50% uh, of the country, according to Gallup in 20, 2022, wants abortion to be legal, but only under certain circumstances. 35% want abortion to be legal under any circumstance, and just 13% want abortion to be illegal in all circumstances. So the difference between 35 and 13, you're talking about a 40-point difference in terms of those who want abortion to be legal under any circumstances at all and those who want it to be illegal in all circumstances. That is a huge difference in American politics, and that is a large group of people that Democrats feel that they might be able to mobilize uh, going into November. That's why you just heard Nancy Pelosi say abortion's on the ballot in November. We'll see if it has the kind of impact that political analysts thought it might. Uh, you can see the energy outside the Supreme Court. The question will be now, uh, will that energy flow through to the ballot box in November or will the trends hold uh, that were deeply, deeply anti-democratic uh, going into the fall election? Republicans expected to have a very strong turnout this fall, Shep. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. edwardjones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. Eamon Javers, thanks very much. We just got word from Washington that House Republican leadership will be speaking uh, top of the next hour, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific, and we'll have live coverage of that here on CNBC. Just a moment ago, we heard from Pete Williams about Missouri putting its law uh, into place. And I, I want to give you some details, because we've just gotten them from the governor's office. Governor Parson signs a proclamation to end elective abortions in Mississippi. And what they're calling today into response to this, Roe v. Wade, Governor Mike Parson signed a proclamation giving legal effect to a certain section in, in law. And here's what it does. F three things. First, it prohibits doctors from performing abortions unless there is a medical emergency. Second, it creates criminal liability for any person who knowingly performs or induces a non-medical emergency abortion and subjects his or her professional license to suspension. And thirdly, it protects any woman who receives an illegal abortion from being prosecuted for violation of this act, meaning the abortion provider would be, uh, pro would be prosecuted, uh, it, criminal liability for a person who knowingly perform the abortion, but it protects any woman who receives an illegal abortion from prosecution in violation of this act. And one more thing, on the other side, former President Barack Obama issued a statement just a short time ago on Twitter saying, and I quote, today the Supreme Court not only reversed nearly 50 years of precedent, it relegated the most intensely personal decision someone can make to the whims of politicians and ideologues attacking the essential freedoms of millions of Americans. That from former President Barack Obama uh, on Twitter just a few moments ago. Again, House Republican leadership, conservative leaders to speak in Washington, top of the hour, we'll have that live. Joining us now, constitutional law expert uh, and attorney Seth Berenswag. Seth, this, this dynamic of state to state is, is one to be watching because every state's gonna have its own specific rules. I just went through the ones in Missouri. Absolutely. And we're really witnessing history today. This is the most impactful decision issued by the Supreme Court in decades. And with the press of a button, the Supreme Court has now wiped out roughly a half a century of precedent. This is going to have a, a very sprawling effect uh, with immediacy today. Not only do you have this historic decision that has been issued here in Washington, D.C., but this is going to immediately flow down to the states. There are 13 states that have so-called trigger laws. As you are covering, uh, the breaking news is demonstrating that those states are immediately jumping in and making it clear that those are coming into effect. The other thing that I think is a, a, another aspect that uh, hasn't quite yet been covered relates to 
um, the impact on corporate America. One of the things that's going to be a brand new question, and this is uh, something that we're starting to see through the breaking news this morning, is the question of how are employers going to be addressing this? Some significant employers have issued uh, determinations that they're going to add to their list of health benefits for their employees travel expenses related to helping their uh, female employees travel to a place uh, where they are going to be able to um, have their uh, reproductive decisions uh, not criminalized. So not only are we going to see uh, a very impactful change, not only in the federal and at the state level, but I think there's going to be a, a lot of discussions within companies and their HR departments about how they're going to handle this whole new world. Seth, stay with us momentarily. I want to update our, our, our viewers on the plan ahead. I mentioned Republican leaders to speak in Washington, a group of them at noon. We've just gotten word from the White House that the president will deliver remarks on the Supreme Court decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health to overturn Roe v. Wade. That coming at 1230 Eastern time, 1230 Washington time. So about an hour and 11 minutes from now. Again, live coverage here on CNBC. Seth Behrensweig, we have heard from some states where even if you drive someone to, to have an abortion, even you could be prosecuted. Are, are, are we expecting in some of the more conservative states, some, some of the states where this has been an issue for decades and decades, decades and a heavy push, that there might be things like that could, where we could run into an area of unintended consequences? Well, absolutely. We already know that there are certain terms and provisions under state laws, including some trigger laws that are literally coming into effect any moment today, such as the proclamation that was just issued by letter and announced a few moments ago, where there's going to be widespread criminal liability, not only with respect to the health care provider, but for example, if somebody takes a taxi, if somebody takes an Uber or a Lyft, What's going to happen to them? Are they going to be dragged into a courtroom? Are they going to be faced with, um, with the jail sentence? So there's a lot of implications to this. Keep also in mind um, the opinion by Justice Thomas. He has said that although the decision today is specifically with respect to abortion, that they're going to, and he certainly is going to take the lead, in opening the door to reconsideration of other issues that arise for due process under the 14th Amendment. That's the exact legal pinpoint of where this decision was issued. The basis of the overturning of Roe and Casey is premised upon uh, the right to due process under the 14th Amendment. So what Justice Thomas is saying is that we have um, uh, criminalization potentials with respect to things that are happening throughout the United States today. But as they say, stay tuned, because there's going to be a lot of activity happening. Their trigger laws are coming into effect, and it's going to be unclear as to what the broad-reaching implications will be. There's, there's also this matter of privacy, because so much of this had been historically put under the, at least partially under the privacy umbrella. Correct. Roe had it pegged as a constitutional right of privacy. Um, the court in Casey in supporting Roe, reiterated it as a, a, a right of liberty, but it was still um, encased within the same fundamental right. And now what the Supreme Court has done today is it said that regardless of any of the flow of precedent that's that has um, emanated from Roe versus Wade, in one press of a button and in one fell swoop, it's entirely overruled. So all of those rights that are set forth under the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment have now been eviscerated. 
And as uh, Justice Thomas has said, uh, we'll just have to uh, wait and see what happens because you can guarantee that there'll be other petitions for review on many other issues that will now be filed here in Washington with the Supreme Court. Before we go to lift the veil just a little bit, are there law firms and advocacy groups across the country that are working to bring to bring suits to the table now that we're in this moment of uncertainty and change? Well, absolutely. There are public interest groups that are based throughout the country. They are not only uh, gearing up to prosecute those claims on both sides of the legal equation, but they are also working with state legislators because to the extent that you have states that don't have trigger laws, they're also going to become quite active. So you're going to have more activity with firms. You're going to have more litigation, particularly at the state level. Um, litigating not only federal constitutional issues, but state constitutional issues as well. So everything has changed. We're really living in a whole fundamentally different world um, than what we saw yesterday. Seth Behrenswag, thanks so much. Appreciate your time and analysis this, this morning. We, we've, business leaders are reacting. Uh, in, in fact, we've just gotten something from Sheryl Sandberg. Let's get, to, let's get, to, let's get over to Steve. What, what, are you, what are you learning? Hey, Shep, yeah, these answers are, or these responses are rolling in. Cheryl Sandberg, she's the outgoing COO of Meta, posting to her Facebook page. I'll just read you the relevant part of the quote. The Supreme Court's ruling jeopardizes the health and lives of millions of girls and women across the country. It threatens to undo the progress women have made in the workplace and to strip women of economic power. It will make it harder for women to achieve their dreams, and it will disproportionately impact women with the fewest resources. So that's COO of Meta, Cheryl Sandberg. And we've got more requests into other tech companies as well, from Apple, Microsoft, and so forth. All right, Steve Kovac, uh, we'll, we'll turn back to you as we get more statements in. Again, about a half hour to Republican leaders, about an hour and seven minutes or so now. Uh, to President Biden, who we're told will speak this afternoon. If, if you're watching the markets, you know, the rally continues. Uh, things have been fairly stable today. Uh, the Dow up more than 2%, still there, 625, near session highs. The NASDAQ up exactly 2%, S&P 500 up 2.1%. We Good job numbers, of course, yesterday. Uh, some, some suggestions of, of easing of inflation in some areas. Sarah Eisen talking this morning about how nerves are calm at the moment, still in a bear market, of course, but the numbers, at least for today, looking very good. Joining us now is Elizabeth Wydra, president of the Constitutional Accountability Center, uh, and live with us. Your, your read on what we've seen today, if, is there anything here that surprises you, and what should we be looking forward to? So I think the surprise was, in many ways, the um, transparency with which Justice Thomas, for example, made clear that this isn't just abortion, even though the majority ruling said, oh no, only abortion is at issue today in this ruling. But Justice Thomas uh, made clear that the reasoning in this abortion ruling could also apply to important rights like contraception use, uh, marriage equality for LGBTQ couples, intimacy, other rights that are considered private and ones that are, have traditionally been left to the individual without government interference. But really I think what is um, going to be felt today, you know, we're going to look at the legal analysis and read carefully, but, you know, you've talked about the polls that show that a majority of Americans want abortion to be legal and for that decision to be made by um, the individual themselves with their doctor and their family and, um, you know, for, for their own bodily autonomy. And Americans know that 
it's very hard to be considered a free and equal citizen in society if you don't get to make those decisions for yourself. So I think that's where you have the American people's sentiment coming up against a ruling from the court that for the first time has rolled back a right that it previously recognized. And that, I think, is going to be an impact that's felt today and in the future. But what we've seen from the court was not terribly a surprise in terms of the legal conclusion. It maps very closely onto the draft opinion that was leaked um, earlier. But I think it's still, in many ways, a gut punch to uh, millions of women across the country. The statements you just read from uh, business leaders, I think, are testament to that. And we're going to continue to see which way the country goes, whether it's the vision that's put forth by the Supreme Court and its um, view of liberty where it's left up to the states and a vote of your neighbors, as opposed to a right of liberty and equality that's protected for everyone across the country, no matter where you live. This, this matter of taking away a right it, it is one that is a, of note for many constitutional scholars today, because until very recently, there had been really no consideration of something like that happened. It's, it's never been done in the history of the country where we were granted a right through the Constitution and then later that particular right was taken away, uh, which, which brings into question all, all the matters you, you mentioned and so many more. It, it creates a level of uncertainty which, to which we're really not accustomed as a people. I think that's a really great comment. It's exactly right. I think a lot of people woke up uh, today, you know, those on the West Coast woke up to this news, those of us here on the East Coast who are grappling with it, really in a whole new world. It's not just with respect to abortion rights. But as you say, uncertainty as to other rights that uh, really hit, you know, heart and home. These rights that we have taken for granted, I think some of us, over the past several decades, that they would be rights that we could make for ourselves. And now we are plunged into a state of uncertainty because of this six-justice conservative majority. But, you know, there will continue to be fights in the court. There will continue to be uh, legislation contemplated by Congress and um, you know, as we see the fallout from this, as there are um, criminal prosecutions against people, as people die, unfortunately, uh, because of this ruling, then I think there will be another conversation. It's an ongoing conversation about the rights that the court ruled on today, the meaning of the Constitution, and um, what kind of country we want to live in. That conversation will continue. Elizabeth Wydra live with us. Elizabeth, thanks for your for your opinions and, and analysis today. Appreciate it. You know, businesses all across the country are going to have to make moves in one way or another as, as it relates to the PR of this, the optics of this, and more specifically, what they're going to do or not do for their employees. Let's get to CNBC's Bertha Coombs, who's been looking into the business aspect of it all. Hi, Bertha. Hi, Chef. You know, it's one of those things that a lot of businesses have been talking about since that initial decision uh, draft was leaked over the last couple of months. It's really an unprecedented situation because if you consider before Roe v. Wade, you didn't really have that sense of insurance picking up the cost of a pregnancy termination in the case of an elective abortion. So that has been happening over the last 50 years. Now employers, many of them, have already come up, the likes of J.P. Morgan this morning, but Amalgamated Bank, uh, uh, 
we know that uh, Salesforce, a number of other companies had already come out over the last couple of months saying that they will provide at least transportation uh, access for people to travel to where abortion is, is legal. There are questions as to whether they will face repercussions for that, but a number of legal scholars that I've talked to said that is one of those things in states like Texas, for example, it's a civil prosecution, so that is going to lead to more counter lawsuits, and it's unclear whether that type of civil prosecution where anyone could say, hey, if you're Salesforce, Salesforce and you provide transportation for your employee to go to where it is legal to gain an abortion, we are going to sue you. So employers have been trying to navigate all of that. For insurers, it's going to mean a very uneven landscape as well, because we're going to have half of the states effectively where abortion will be illegal, so they will not be able to pay for it. Some large employers were national employers. They are under ERISA, which is a federal law that gives them the ability to provide basically uniform uh, health benefits and other benefits to their employees. So that's what I think a number of employers are saying they will be able to process the situation where employees can travel to where they have access. For providers, it becomes a sticky situation as well. They would not be able to provide access in a Texas or a Mississippi or in Arkansas. But more than half of abortions these days, Chep, uh, are done medically. So that means sometimes people will do it through a telehealth situation. Those states will probably block access from telehealth within their borders, but that doesn't mean that they can block someone from traveling to a state where they could have a telehealth visit with a doctor in that state. They could get a medication prescription, pick it up at a pharmacy in that state and do it that way. So it's going to create a real kind of patchwork of situation. It's going to put insurers in the middle. It's going to put pharmacies in the middle. It's going to put telehealth providers in the middle and providers of all kinds. I spoke with uh, Roz Brewer yesterday here at Aspen at the Aspen Health Festival, and she talked about the fact that they're going to have to watch and see state by state how this happens. For the pharmacies, they are in the middle of those medical abortions that are done medically with medication as opposed to an actual procedure. So it is a patchwork. We are starting to hear from employers, but a lot of them, I think, are looking at the decision to see what it means for them if they do provide these benefits. One benefits manager told me that some employers are trying to sort of split the middle and they say, we'll give you travel benefits, but we won't pay for it under your health benefits. Some will do both. And the other issue for employers and large national employers, Shep, you know, two years ago uh, during the George Floyd, Floyd riots, most companies came out and made statements. They took a stand. They talk about where they stood. Their employees may now expect them to do the same. And as we saw, for example, with the so-called don't say gay bill in Florida, when Disney took a stand, there were repercussions there in the state. Their employees wanted them to take a stand. They did. The state then took a stand as well on their statement. So this puts employers in a whole new realm that we haven't seen since before Roe v. Wade was enacted more than 50 years ago. You're, you're, you're spot on. I, I thought, at least from my own perspective, when, when you talk about Disney and the, and the pitfalls that it had regarding what the opponents called a don't say gay law, 
down in Florida for comms officers in large in companies large and small all across the country what statements to make whether you choose a side whether you support whether you what you do as a company now could begin to set off all sort of divisions within companies within families and certainly within cities businesses will lead in this area and and you know most would suggest that disney had a real rough time of it uh, down with disney world and the tens of thousands of employees across the state of florida with desantis firing back you wonder if comms chiefs for big companies a couple of whom i've reached out to in the last few minutes aren't scratching their heads right now and bringing out a playbook for how to play this uh, they have been, you know, we've been talking to a lot of them over the last few weeks and a lot of folks basically, it was pretty clear they were going to wait to see what the decision was because it wasn't clear exactly how the Supreme Court would word it. I would imagine they're going to take a beat to read the decision, have their legal people say what this means. And we could see some employers actually reevaluate what they're going to do as far as benefits. This is the time of year when they put together their benefits for the coming year because open enrollment is generally in the fall for all of us. So this is something that is you know, right at the center of what they are looking at right now. And you can bet there are many discussions, not just with the comms teams, with the HR team and the legal team to see just what they can do. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply about this ship. The Coombs weighing in from her beat uh, right now at the Aspen Institute, and we'll have much more on that, of course, throughout the day. Tech companies are reacting, uh, various and sundry tech companies. John Fort's looking into that for us. John? Hi, Shep. Yeah, here's a statement from Microsoft. It reads, Microsoft will continue to do everything we can under the law to support our employees and their enrolled dependents in accessing critical health care, which already includes services like abortion and gender-affirming care, regardless of where they live across the U.S. This support has been extended to include travel expense assistance for these and other lawful medical services where access to care is limited in availability in an employee's home geographic region. Now, I just also got off the phone with John Riccatello from Unity Software, smaller software company. Similarly, when uh, we got the sense, the leaked draft opinion from the court that this was coming, they made made a similar statement to employees about providing access to this care and travel where necessary. But, Shep, this is a, a very challenging circumstance, as you've referred to before. The, the role and percentage of women in the corporate workforce has changed dramatically 
over the past 50 years since Roe was first decided. Also, the role of the labor movement and the relationship between employers and workers uh, has changed. And so right now in tech, we're seeing a resurgent labor movement across the country. We're also seeing a very interesting dynamic where employers like Amazon and Apple now have huge workforces of workers who are not tech workers. They're retail workers. Uh, you know, at Apple, more than half of the workers work in retail, more of a, an hourly job, uh, blue collar, as it's generally called. And, and in Amazon, warehouse workers who are also blue collar workers, and they're located are across the country, not just in California, not just in Seattle, Washington, not just in these coastal elite uh, cities. So I think there's going to be a challenge around exactly how does Amazon, how does Apple treat those workers who are in those locations doing the work that they want to have done when it comes to transportation, when it comes to policy, when it comes to benefits. And I would add, Shep, there's been a, an increasing use of contractors across all sorts of companies. It's one thing if you're a direct employee of these companies and have access to corporate benefits. But if you're entry level, if you're a contractor, what then? Will companies mandate that the staffing agencies have the same policies when it comes to benefits that the main company does. Uh, in labor, all these questions yet to be worked out as we digest this news. We, just a moment ago, John, uh, CBC's Bertha Coombs was talking about uh, employers' reactions, and she mentioned Disney and the troubles that it had in Florida. We've just gotten, or Disney has just released a statement, and I'll read that for you. The Walt Disney Company said it will cover travel benefits for employees seeking family planning or reproductive care following the Supreme Court's ruling. So, so John, to your point, the, the likelihood is that, that most big companies had a plan leading up to this. I, you notice there was no mention there of, of benefits for the procedure itself. I don't know the details of any individual person's insurance, but the company itself saying it, it will provide travel. So more and more, we're hearing from big companies, large influential companies across the country saying, if you need a procedure that you can't get where you live, we, your employer, will get you there on our dime. Seems significant. It is significant. It also raises questions, Shep, because in the Microsoft statement, keep in mind they kept on making statements about legal medical care. Uh, as states adjust and perhaps try to keep companies from offering uh, that sort of transportation and care to people who live within their borders, what does that do to corporate policy? What does it do in this age of hybrid and remote work if an employee wants to move from California to Arkansas, to Alabama, to Mississippi for a lower cost of living, but then they also uh, want to have access to health services that are not legally available in that state? How is that policy going to work? Those are the sorts of issues that these companies are going to have to tackle. And it's relevant, must say, to investors because in a time of rising inflation, here's another cost that's a bit unclear in how and when it's going to be applied that you've got to consider on these balance sheets depending on uh, the types of workers, the scale of a workforce that a company wants to employ, Shep. John Fort, thanks very much. We heard some uh, abortion rights activists speaking a little a moment ago, some abortion rights opponents speaking in just a moment. First, a bit of a market update. 
The markets are near session highs now as we are about 20 minutes to noon in, in New York and Washington. Uh, the, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up considerably, about 673 points or 2.2 percent on the session. The S&P 500, extraordinary rally, 2.3 percent, up 88 points. The NASDAQ up almost 250 points and about 2.2 percent. You see this rally, is it's held throughout most of the morning. Got the jump, got the news on consumer sentiment. We had jobs from yesterday. Talk of easing of inflationary pressures. Uh, and the market seemed to like what they're hearing today. We'll have extended coverage of this, of course, throughout the day from the professionals of, of CNBC. But first, let's listen to this abortion rights uh, support. Uh, let's listen. Has just quadrupled, if not more, since the original, since the decision came down just after 10 a.m. I'm still right in the middle of it, just outside the, in front of the Supreme Court. And what I have noticed, while we've seen a mix of opinions, it is a plurality of young people. And I want to bring in Nina. She traveled in from Pennsylvania, uh, and she was one of the, the people that was celebrating the decision being overturned. And so, Nina, I want to ask you, what, what drove you to come out here today? What are you looking for? And, and tell me a little bit about how you're feeling now that we saw the decision come down. Well, as you can see, I'm very excited. I, I, I drove down here for Students for Life. We are um, we have a bunch of collectives and leadership programs um, focused on making sure women have the necessary resources that they need throughout their pregnancy. And I'm I'm excited. But we all, as if you can you can see the celebration. But we all know this is not where the work ends. This is where it begins because from. Anyone you can ask, this is what we'll be working for for the rest of our lives to make abortion illegal, unthinkable, and unnecessary. And our NBC polling has shown that 60% of women think, or 60% of Americans think that abortion should be legal in some capacity. 30% uh, are on the other side of it. What do you make that your your group is kind of in the minority on this? And what do you want to say to other people who don't share the same opinions as you? I mean, there are there's a lot to obviously there's a lot of nuances, a lot of um, different opinions. But at the end of the day, human rights begin at conception, at the end at natural death, and that's what we're fighting for. So. And no matter what you believe, um, we're here to protect the woman and the child. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. And so, Lester, like we just talked about, there is a big variety of opinions on the ground right now. But we do hear a lot of celebration and music playing here today uh, and, and people that, that weren't necessarily expecting this to come down today. Most people that I've talked to were thinking that it was going to be uh, next, early next week that this decision would come. And so it is interesting to see as the crowd continues to grow uh, now that the decision has come through. Uh, and we'll continue to talk to people on the ground, especially as we know that uh, the president had previously said uh, prior to the decision coming down that he was hoping that Congress uh, would take action to restore Roe. We have heard rumblings about House Democrats coming down, and we'll, we'll keep an eye out uh, for lawmakers that are here as well. Nora Barrett reporting there from outside the Supreme Court. Uh, we heard from some who were happy with today's ruling, some who were displeased with today's ruling, uh, all of them uh, weighing in there as the crowds are growing around the Supreme Court. Before we move on, I've just gotten a, a statement from the Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it for you, but the gist of it is, quoting now, the Supreme Court has eliminated an established right that has been an essential component of women's liberty for half a century, a right that has safeguarded women's ability to participate fully and equally in society. And the renouncing of this fundamental right, which it had repeatedly recognized and reaffirmed, 
the court has upended the doctrine of stare decisis, a key pillar of the rule of law. Again, that from Merrick Garland in his statement on this ruling by the Supreme Court in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health in Mississippi, which also overturns Roe v. Wade. Republican lawmakers are weighing in. We're expecting to hear from them live in about 15 minutes. But CNBC senior Washington correspondent Eamon Javers has been gathering some of that. Eamon, what are you hearing? A couple more statements now from Republican senators cheering on the Supreme Court's decision this morning. Shep, Senator Grassley saying today's decision recognized that the weak legal reasoning in Roe versus Wade has done more to provoke conflict than to resolve it. As the late Justice Ginsburg observed, in a meticulous and well-reasoned opinion, the court dispensed with a flawed precedent, as it has rightly done in landmark decisions throughout history. A statement now from Senator Sass as well, saying America's work of becoming a more perfect union is never over. But today, by righting a constitutional wrong, the Supreme Court took a historic step forward. Rose days are over, but the pro-life movement's work has just begun. Uh, and speaking of that work, Shep, it's going to take place in a political context in which the Supreme Court here is just not in the same place politically as the majority of Americans are. In a new, or in a, a May, NBC news poll, uh, support, support for abortion rights hit an all-time high. A combined 60% of Americans said abortion should either be always legal or legal most of the time. That's the highest share believing it should be legal uh, on this question dating back to 2003. So the trend here is in support of abortion rights. Uh, the majority of Americans, according to this poll in May, did not want Roe versus Wade overturned. 63% uh, did not believe Roe versus Wade should be overturned. 30% said they thought it should be overturned. So as Republicans are, are going to be campaigning on this issue into the fall, they're campaigning into the teeth of public opinion nationally uh, that is opposed to the decision uh, that we just saw come down from the Supreme Court. Of course, most of those Republicans, particularly in the House of Representatives, are going to be campaigning in districts where the opinion is entirely flip-flopped and the majority will support the decision uh, today based on the local uh, borders of the political jurisdictions where they're going to be campaigning. So nationally, the decision uh, the, the politics might be against the court uh, and some of the Republicans who are going to be campaigning for it. But in those districts, uh, they're going to benefit from some strong headwinds. Yeah. The Democrats have been uh, the Republicans have been uh, so confident that there's that they'll be able to turn out the vote uh, in, in the up in the upcoming elections. It, it, but issues do drive voters. And you wonder if Democrats, you know, might get might get some push out of this. And if if some of their base might be electrified by it. Democrats absolutely think that they're going to get a push out of this and they're going to get a huge uh, momentum shift uh, going into the fall election. The question now is going to be just a giant political test. And we're in uncharted territory here, Shep. We've just never seen anything like this, a major right in American life being taken away after being granted by the Supreme Court. How does that play out vis-a-vis -vis all the normal things that we think of going into a midterm election cycle? Things like inflation, which works against the Democrats and the president of the United States, the economy working against Democrats and the president of the United States, uh, issues around Biden's performance as president of the United States, his sagging poll numbers working against Democrats uh, and the president of the United States going into November, all those things on one side, and now you have this massive society-changing decision on the other side. The politics of that, there are a lot of theories on how that will play out, but we're going to have to see uh, how it plays out in the real world here now, Chef, going into the fall. You know, we may learn a little something here in just a, a few minutes on CNBC, because we know that Republican leaders are playing. I don't know exactly who's coming. I'll, I'll, I'll lean on you for that. But they've had time, Eamon, with the understanding that this was going to happen. They've had a couple of months to decide how they want to play this. So these leaders today 
Will they be speaking to a base that has clearly been wanting this, many of them, for decades? Will they be speaking to them, or that will they be trying to tread the line with those who, who might not be quite as pleased? I, I just wonder what the tone is going to be, you know? I mean, I think the tone, we'll see, but I think the tone is going to be celebratory. Uh, we're going to see uh, Leader McCarthy and Congressman Scalise uh, talking to reporters here shortly, uh, and we'll see whether the tone is celebratory. That's the tone of all the Republican statements that we've seen so far. The challenge for Republicans, Democrats have their own challenges. challenge on the Republican side is that for decades they've sort of benefited politically from a very careful balance, which is that in pushing to re uh, overturn Roe versus Wade, but not actually achieving it for many decades, they benefited from the energy on the right, as you just saw that young uh, voter who was uh, carrying the pro-life sign uh, talking about the right of unborn children. You know, that, that is a passion and a political energy that Republicans have benefited from for decades. But by not overturning Roe versus Wade and actually achieving that po stated political goal, they didn't have to deal with the backlash. Well, now they've appeased the base. They're going to have to deal with the backlash. And the question is, which political position was better to be in? We're going to find out soon, Shep. Yeah, we certainly will. Eamon Javers. Thanks very much. It'd be interesting to hear yeah. from the two sides who care enough about this, are motivated enough over this moment to go to the Supreme Court and make their voices heard. Our Ken Delanian is, is live there with some of the people who, who are doing exactly that. Hi, Ken. Hey, Shep. Yeah, that's right. You know, there were about 100 protesters here before the decision uh, was announced on both sides, and they had been coming pretty much every day. Uh, Supreme Court opinions were to be posted in anticipation of this moment. But this crowd has grown by leaps and bounds. There are thousands of people here now. Um, and as you mentioned, there are uh, organized protesters from both sides wearing you know, the same outfits and carrying, you know, placards. There are also members of Congress and Hill staffers because we are situated between the Capitol building and the Supreme Court behind me. So far, it's a largely peaceful, if a little bit rowdy scene. The Capitol Police seems to be out in big force. Uh, there's a lot of officers around here. And we just interviewed uh, uh, an important member of Congress who oversees the Capitol Police who says he believes that they have the security situation in hand here. But it does bear watching. This crowd is growing by the hour. But again, largely peaceful so far, Chap. Have you, have you spoken with people on the... We've saw, seen people, you know, get in each other's faces about this a little bit. But, but have, have you seen people gathering to make a certain... I, the thing is, it's done. I mean, there's no amount of protesting that's going to change what the Supreme Court has done. So I personally wondered if the crowds would become that big in that particular location today. You know, that's a great question. I had that same thought myself. And obviously, look, the people who come to these kinds of events are activists. They're, you know, it's not the woman that needs an abortion in Mississippi right now that's at, outside the, the Supreme Court. But um, there's some very passionate people, people who are in tears uh, when this decision came down. Um, there are younger people. There are older people, uh, people of all p political persuasions. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, organization here because, you know, there's a lot of money behind both sides of, these, of this issue in terms of lobbying and political advocacy, but also a lot of passion, Chef. Ken Delanian outside the Supreme Court. Ken, thanks very much. An interesting uh, uh, camera angle has come forth. Look, look at this now. This is the Frederick Douglass Bridge. In the booth, help me out what we're going to be seeing. This is a lone, a lone demonstrator on top of the Frederick Douglass Bridge, and but it appears the colors of Ukraine uh, this is in Washington, of course. Uh, we, we'll see a lot of this sort of thing. The playbook for this, we plan for this sort of thing as a network and our, our larger network, NBC Universal. And, you know, we, we, we want to be able to 
be eyes and ears for you and our viewers across our platforms. So we, we set troops into motion all across the country to try to take the pulse of the nation uh, in big cities and small and rural areas and in seats of power and, 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 and on the farms. And so we're, we, we've spread our resources out and we'll be able to watch a lot of the nation uh, for you and to give you that, that insight today. And that was just one picture, one person on top of the Frederick Douglass Bridge. Hopefully there's not too much of that today. With us now is Kimberly Mutcherson. Uh, it's co-dean and professor of law at Rutgers Law School. It's good of you to be here, thank you. Thank you. Your top line thoughts on what we've seen and what's to come. Um, you know, we were expecting this. We knew that it was gonna come down. Um, and now that it's here, it is exactly as disastrous um, as I imagined. And I think that a lot of people um, imagined, particularly the concurrence from Justice Thomas, um, which makes clear that this idea that this is just gonna be cabin to abortion and let's not worry about all these other rights um, is just is just a farce. We have a lot to be worried well, about that is in, what he in said. the years to come. Of course, that's what he said. Right. Um, and that's very easy to say that in the same way that, you know, Justice Kavanaugh and Justice Barrett told us that Roe versus Wade was settled law and stare decisis meant that it was going to stay that way. Um, and yet here we are. Back to that. Is there any gray area? I mean, I've gone back and looked at their at their testimony during those hearings. Uh, it, it didn't feel like a gray area from the two whom you mentioned. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And I think that people, you know, they get they get prepped for these confirmation hearings. They know um, what they need to say in the confirmation hearings. Then, then um, what and, is the point of the things. confirmation hearing if you're not speaking, as you suggest, if you're not speaking your truth, but instead saying, as you put it, what you need to say? I think one thing that we should know, um, particularly after watching the confirmation hearings for Justice Jackson, is that they are theater at this point, um, you know, that they're not really about trying to assess whether someone is going to be a good Supreme Court justice. They're about scoring political points. Are there cases, Professor, that you see in the pipeline that, that people should watch more closely? Are there, there are cases that regarding gender or race or sexuality or anything that might give us a little more of an understanding of where this court is going? I think we know exactly where this court is going. Um, you know, there are some affirmative action cases that are going to be heard. Um, you know, I, I know where I would put my money in terms of how the court is going to come out um, on those cases. Um, I'm worried about what some of the future contraception cases um, might look like. Um, and I think that this court has made very clear that it is very willing to reinforce um, First Amendment rights related to religion. Um, and so that, again, is going to create an opportunity for a lot of other sorts of inroads into reproductive rights. Professor, help me understand from a legal perspective, what about today's ruling suggests, as you put it, that rights to contraceptives might be changed? So, um, first of all, in the concurring opinion from Justice Thomas, he clearly points to Griswold versus Connecticut, which is the case that extended the right to contraception um, to married couples, followed by Eisenstadt versus Baird, which extended it to um, single people. Um, and those cases are derived from all from the same idea, right? The idea that the 14th Amendment has um, um, a substantive component that creates particular rights, including a right to privacy, under which a lot of these things fall. Um, so contraception is absolutely on the chopping block here. If contraception is on the chopping block, are 
interracial marriage on the chopping block? Is same-sex marriage on the chopping block? Is is all of this on the chopping block? And, and, and you're coming at this from a liberal perspective, I would presume. Um, I mean, I'm coming at it from a liberal perspective in the sense that I'm coming of it, uh, coming at it from the perspective of people who have often been vulnerable and marginalized in this country, um, for whom the Constitution is an incredibly important document and needs to be a living document in order to protect those of us who have often been on the outskirts of protection um, in this country. So, um, from that perspective, um, you know, I I have very serious concerns about what it means to decide that all of these sorts of issues. Um, should be sent back to the states. Um, I don't think interracial marriage is particularly um, on the chopping block, but certainly marriage equality from the Obergefell case. Um, I have very serious concerns about that. And that's another case that Justice Thomas specifically points out um, in his concurrence in his concurring opinion um, in, in the case today. So, um, you know, again, this idea that this is just about abortion um, is ludicrous, that we are at the beginning, not at the end. Um, and we're gonna see a lot of legislation and a lot of litigation in the months and years to come to try to figure out what does it really mean to be a person who is protected by the constitution in this country. As a layman and an observer of the process, if you would indulge me in the thought process here, I'd appreciate it. It, mm -hmm. Just just thinking about it, it's one thing to say you cannot have any more abortions. The abortions mm -hmm. that have, have been performed, they've been performed. But in our state or our county or whatever, you can't have any more abortions. It's another thing to say you're a black man and you're a white woman. You can't get married anymore. But there are plenty of black mm -hmm. men and white women and vice versa who are already married, which those marriages would be nullified in this hypothetical world about which you're speaking. So I'll say again, that's a real not concern in America. No, no. I will say again um, that I do not think that interracial marriage is on the chopping block in large part because I think that the the race component and race has certainly been dealt with in a very particular um, um, uh, and heightened way. And LGBTQ under our constitutional scheme. And that that's where we should be concerned. So, so right? my, um, I'm gay. My gay friends who are married, uh, they might find themselves poof, not married. Um, that that is one of the reasons why we might actually why it might actually be difficult for the Happy court pride. to back out on <laughs> right that might be difficult for the court to back out on a Burgerfell. Um, you know, we saw this actually in the world pre a Burgerfell, pre marriage equality on the federal level, where we had some states where people were married and then you would cross a state line um, and you wouldn't be married anymore. And that's really an untenable um, situation. So I think one of the things that the court will have to wrestle with if marriage equality comes before it again um, is this issue of reliance interests, which they basically brushed off in the context of abortion, um, but certainly in the context of same-sex marriage, when you have people who are already married and have the benefits of marriage, what would it look like to suddenly decide that those marriages are void? I think that would be almost impossible um, to do without some sort of uprising. Well, that's why um, I was asking, so if I don't forgive think the interruption, but that's why I was asking if that's a way that abortion is different. No more abortions. But the things which have happened and continue, taking those away just feels like it would be a, a leap beyond. Well, I think um, 
I think what they could do, right, is not necessarily, and, and we have to be careful about what we mean when we say take those away, um, because when you take away the federal right, and it's the same thing in the context of abortion here, right? So the Constitution no longer protects a right to terminate a pregnancy, then we send it back to the states. So we could send these issues back to the states, and states could make their own judgments about who should be able to marry um, within within their borders. Um, and you know, You've been listening to CNBC's Tech Chat. You can always catch us live weekdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.